Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with your charismatic host and prominent safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Be entertained and informed as the Safety Doc discusses both best and bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. The truth will keep you safe. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. I am here today with Bree Hansen. We're going to talk about international traveling and how to stay safe on foreign grounds or how to be safer. So a lot of different things we're going to cover. Bree's been to a number of places, places I've never been to, a place I can only imagine and has some interesting stories to share with us. And then also just um, pointers if you are planning a trip to foreign grounds how to be safer. So um, Bree is a 20-something-year-old frequent international traveler, including a uh, over a dozen trips to Haiti. In January, she co-produced a documentary for an international nonprofit that nearly escaped disaster on more than one occasion. Today, Bree is going to help inform us on safety factors when traveling to foreign grounds. So, Bree... Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, so, starting out with our first question, tell us about some of the places you've traveled to and your purposes for traveling to those destinations. Okay. Um, I have been to France. I spent about a month there when I was 16. I spent about a month in Mexico when I was 18. A few months in Haiti over several years, um, and then shorter trips to Jamaica and Canada and um, Spain. So were those um, like school-affiliated or church-affiliated, um, or just kind of finding, exploring, reconnaissance? What, what? Um, yeah, most of the trips were independent. I had made friends and I just wanted to go visit and see what their life was like. And then most of the trips in Haiti have been for missions, purposes, helping things with churches. And then the the time in France was kind of like a friendship with a foreign exchange student that we hosted. I went back to visit his family there in France. Wow. That is, uh, that's amazing. Um, just for the record, I visited five new states in the last 50 days. So, um, and I think I've been to Canada once when I was young. And I remember the only place my parents went was a place that served pizza because uh, they were comfortable with that. So, um, uh, so you've done you've done a lot of a, a lot of traveling, and um, or at least relative here to the to the to the safety doc. Um, so I've talked a lot about tacit knowledge on the show, meaning when people have a certain gut feeling that they recognize, and I mentioned it a few times specifically relative um, to there was a research study with uh, David Klein, and he had a number of graduate students assigned to fire houses out on the West Coast, and they would um, go out on fire calls and watch the firefighters, and then following um, the, the wrap-up of the, the fire call would interview the firefighters and, and try to understand the decision-making during that dynamic context and situation. One of the questions that came up was, um, why did you why did you get off the roof when you did? Or you know, why was that call made? And, and nobody could really come up with that, of saying, um, you know, why, why I came off the roof. And there's a term for that. It's called having a soft roof, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a feeling that the roof itself is soft. It's just more of a terminology of saying there's this, this gut feeling or this tacit knowledge within the firefighter of knowing it's time to get off this, this roof. So in your international travels, um, have you felt that kind of tacit feeling or that, that gut knowledge of I need to really pay attention to what's happening around me because I'm not sure I'm fully comfortable with this. Can you? Yeah. Okay. Totally. Okay. Um, there was one time in particular I was on a solo trip to Haiti. I think I was 17-ish, and I had 
really proud of myself, got everything established, got on the plane, got there, forgot to write down the address of the place that I was going to. So on the little document that you need to fill out for your immigration, I just left it blank. And I figured they don't really have addresses in Haiti. It's kind of like okay. maybe a street, but you don't get mail at your house. And then I ended up kind of in a locking cell at the airport. Whoa, okay. Um, tell us more about that. So then I got nervous. I got They wouldn't let me through to get my luggage and find my host person that I was supposed to meet outside. Um, they just ushered me into this tiny room with a desk and then a man with a machine gun sitting at the door guarding this room. So my, my flags were going off. I had <laughs> right. lots of alarms. Right, yes, as you're sharing the, that with me, I'm thinking yes. The roof yes. was not just soft. There were holes okay. that was falling through <laughs> the roof. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, so how did that get straightened out? Um, well, I assume it's because there were some political uprising things happening. I was a young white girl. That doesn't really happen very much to travel into Haiti by yourself. So... Um, a few people came in, tried to talk to me in Creole. At that time, I spoke very little. I just kept saying, I don't understand. And then they would shuffle around until someone else came in okay. and talked to me. It probably lasted 10 minutes, but in my mind, it was like four hours. Oh, my goodness. Because I was nervous and hot and sweaty. Um, and then the guard just got up and left. And I took that as my opportunity to also get up and leave. Oh, my. Um, I found my bag. I very quickly pretended like I was with another group from another plane that came in. Um, and then I just skimmed on out of there. So right now the Haiti authorities watching this video are like, aha, yeah, that's where she is. Yeah. So, oh, my goodness. Um, well... <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm thinking that would completely terrify me to be in that situation, especially at age uh, 17. Um, so, so that happened to you at 17. You've been to Haiti over a dozen times. Is, is there a pattern you've learned of, of what to recognize when, um, you know, your, your, your safety, I don't know if it necessarily would be compromised, but just... Um, just kind of that gut feeling to recognize earlier in the process of, yeah, I want to make sure, I, I can tell that I'm being scrutinized, so I want to make sure that I have these things ready, or I know that this is typically areas that, that um, you know, receive more observation. I, I'm not sure, has it gotten easier traveling, or is it still like the same level of, of vigilance and not really knowing every time you make that trip. It's definitely easier now. Okay. I know things like writing down the address of the place you plan to go to is a good idea. Um, yeah, I, I kind of have a huge checklist of things that I do oh my goodness! I travel. Wow. So we can go through that at some point if you want to. Yeah, actually now would be, be a, yeah. a great time to do that. Um, sure. So before any trip, I plan everything out. I have a binder, an itinerary, like every hour, every day, where I plan to be, um, and then I keep a copy for myself. I keep a copy in my bags that um, I check, because sometimes those get lost, and you can't really rely on that to be with you at all times. And then I leave a copy with my trusted person at home, who kind of keeps tabs on me, which is my mom. So then your mom could text, or you'd probably have it saved on your phone, I'm guessing, now, too? No, uh, maybe? I like paper. Covers. Okay, okay. But you could do that. Wow. So hour by hour, I've I've I never really heard. I of... do that a lot for road trips or other so, excursions like that. So what brought you to um, deciding to go hour by hour? I mean, with all your experiences, how did you say hour by hour is the best way to do this? Um, because I know I'm going to land at this hour. I know it should take me about this long to get from point A to point B, and then I'm going to spend this amount of time in this place. I plan to leave at noon and go to this other location. So it kind of helps me have a checklist of what am I going to need to prepare for all of these different parts of my trip, because not all parts of your trip are created equal. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, 
Anything from your checklist you want to mention? I saw a few things on there. Um, credit um, cards, things like that. Yeah, so it depends on what part of the world you're traveling. Um, if you're going to a third world country, credit cards probably aren't your best bet because they don't really use them. Um, but in a lot of places where they do take credit cards, you can get the kind with the chips, which are pretty common now. Okay. Um, most places take that, but they have a pretty big fee um, if you use them. And also you need to tell your credit card company before that you're going to travel, where, what dates, so that they don't freeze it on you because you don't want that to be frozen when right. you need it the most. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and and what what else? Um, you have to figure out where, where you're traveling, what kind of adapters they have, what kind of voltage they have. So you think you can plug in as soon as you get <laughs> somewhere, and then you can't. All right. So you need to research all of these things beforehand, which is why I really love my itinerary binders, because it has all of these things figured out beforehand. So I know when I get to Germany, it'll be okay, but then when I get to France, I'm going to need to change over to a different voltage. Okay. Like your hair dryers and things that are really important. Wow, wow, <laughs> things I've never even mm -hmm. thought about. Okay. Um, and then there's the medicine and medical insurance providers. You need to check and make sure you have coverage when you're overseas because that doesn't always apply. Um, and if you, regardless, you should get travelers insurance, medical insurance, because they will helicopter you out of no matter where you are. Usually, it's like twenty dollars. It's always worth it, in my opinion. So how do you do that? that? Like, how do you, you're just contacting your insurance provider and saying... You can go through your insurance or you can go through, um, like, airlines often will have a, would you like to buy traveler's insurance? That's amazing. That I didn't know that. Wow. That can cover you if your trip gets canceled or delayed. So if that's a big issue, you're going for a wedding and you really need to get there, you may want okay. traveler's insurance. Um, yeah. Wow. So those are important pieces. And and how about um, I, I guess how, how do you understand the medical that's provided in, in different areas? So if, if you were to you know be injured and there isn't an ambulance or any, anything nearby, how do you how do you um, I guess prepare for that? Or do you, do you specifically pack first aid or? To somebody like with your group, or how did, how does that kind of happen? Um, I always will pack a first aid kit, kind of a general one, because you never want to be somewhere and then have to be scrolling through your dictionary and figuring out, oh. you know, how to translate diarrhea and figuring out what kind of medication to get from the corner store. Just bring those like ten essential things with you: your aspirin and your ibuprofen and all of those, um, and any of your your. Um, Prescription medications, bring those with, even if they need to be refrigerated. Airlines have to allow you to bring them and keep them refrigerated. Okay. So ice packs are good to go through that way. They'll check them, but that's all fine. Um, but otherwise, it depends on what country you're traveling in for their emergency systems, if they even have ambulances. If right. they have 911 numbers, look it up before you go. Otherwise, have trusted friends and people you can call. And, yeah. Uh -huh. Um, I had, I, I worked with someone who right out of high school, um, road tripped to Alaska with his best friend and they were hiking and, uh, and he fell down this, this kind of cliff face and broke his ankle. And, um, other than that was okay, but couldn't move and there was nobody around. So he stayed, they had, he had enough, you know, water and, and food and his friend had to then hike out. Um, and, and get help. And I think it was a day before, you know, help returned uh, for him. So um, he didn't sound nearly as prepared as, as you were. Um, but, well, hiking uh, <laughs> is a totally different game. Um, being, I'm mostly speaking about places that have yeah. some infrastructure, but if you're out in the woods, yeah, that's a totally different, different ball game with GPS trackers and um, leave no trace systems and right. yeah yeah and this i think was prior to the days of, of like gps and you mentioned gps so this gets off a, a little bit but how does gps work or not work in some of these locations um well 
Depends. Lots of variants here when you're talking about the whole globe. Um, but typically, if you have access to Wi-Fi, then you have access to Google Maps, which is a lifesaver. Even if you don't have Wi-Fi when you leave that current that exact location, you can take a screenshot. Um, that way you have that picture of that map on your phone that you can reference later if you don't have a printed out map. Okay. And that has saved my butt quite a few times. Especially if you're going to a place where you walk a lot, then you can Google map your walk directions and figure out which roads you need to turn at. Wow. That makes a, 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 that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm going to... Uh, kind of highlight a, a trip that you took in January to Haiti. And um, Brie was part of a, a, a film um, crew that was, was doing a documentary, and, and now the documentary's um, in production. But uh, you shared something from that trip that, that so, and I might not have this exactly right, so you can, um, you can clarify, you know, any points, but at one at one aspect of filming, um, somebody had approached your film crew, and they were on a motorcycle, and claimed that your the the process of filming had resulted in some light reflecting toward them, obscuring them, um, and, and and almost causing them possibly to have an accident or or just making it unsafe for them on the motorcycle. So they approached, being unhappy about this, whether that was accurate or not, not sure. You know, whether they were saying that because it was genuine or whether they were saying that because here are people who have expensive equipment and if I make this claim, maybe I can get some, you know, money or, or, or get something. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Yeah, there so, is. <laughs> so how does, how does that happen where you, you, you protect your valuable, um, not only, you know, expensive cameras and things like that, but then also, you know, the personal, the cash that you might have and just personal belongings from someone who's saying, you know, if you don't give me these things, I'm going to make a report to the authorities that you put my life at risk and also its authorities. And and I don't know how, how um, law enforcement works in Haiti, but, you know, throughout countries, it's going to be different. Um, tell us about that situation, how you navigated it. And, and that, that I think is, if I'm, if I'm traveling somewhere, that's probably as a new traveler um, to, let's say, Haiti. Um, if I was placed in this situation, I, I don't know what I would do because I, I don't, I think I would be pretty intimidated by it, especially if someone was saying, if you don't give me this, then this is this is going to be the consequence. Um, so I think that's where people watching the show can really get some uh, get some helpful ideas, so you don't end up um, have uh, almost being you know extorted for your your possessions. Well, it always helps to have a guide, someone who speaks the language, so. Um, you can mediate some of those situations a little easier. If we didn't have one of those, my broken Creole could have maybe worked out. I would have said, sir, this isn't even a reflector. It's to block the sun. So there's no way that it was shining in your eyes as you were riding your motorcycle down this mountain. And so you don't need any compensation. I don't know if my Creole skills are that good. Okay. So guides are always great to have. Otherwise, um, Making sure, well, if you have expensive equipment like that, making sure you have the permits that you need for it. Um, so if someone comes up and says, hey, you're not allowed to be here, uh, you can prove that you have the right to be where you're filming. Um, so knowing your knowing camera laws, knowing drone laws, don't fly those unless you're allowed to. And then, I mean, honestly, it never hurts just to have some cash in your back pocket so you can kind of shoo away bothersome people who either want to be movie stars and in your show, right. or then you just pretend to film them for a while okay. because it's entertaining and they think they're important and playing a part, and then you can, you know, wow. push them off the scene and continue on, um, or just give them the money, or have someone else argue with them until they leave. Okay. 
Um, have you have you encountered where someone actually has gone to law enforcement and has brought law enforcement back or, or not? Um, I try not to get involved with the law enforcement <laughs> no matter where I go. General rule of thumb, it's not really where I want to be. All right. Um, in Haiti, I don't really know that they have police. They have some UN people who are there to control crowds. Um, but if there's a dispute, then you don't call the police. Just the local people will come out from the village and they talk it through and beat up somebody who needs to get beat up, and then everyone goes on with their merry way. So wow. there's no formal police there in okay. particular. Um, so, so you mentioned a guide. Like, how do you find a guide? I, so, so how does that how does that happen? Um, I've usually found them through. Friends, okay, family, people that friends may know of that has the week off or would be willing to tote around with me for the time that I'm there. Right. I mean, that seems um, like that would make the process so much more streamlined and, and mm-hmm. safe because the guide is going to be able to communicate. And then um, certainly if someone is approaching you and the guide is fluent, um, that's going to change that whole interaction yeah. Also, and contacting like a local college or community college where somebody is bilingual, they usually have more time off and are more willing and free to travel around with you and and be your guide, even though if they're not an official guide through a government system. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so this brings me back. I had uh, had a friend who worked at a university as a uh, disability services coordinator. And for years, he made a trip to Russia and would take, um, like, uh, wheelchairs and and other types of, of equipment that was just hard to get into, the, get into the country for people with disabilities. And he shared these incredible stories of having to do these negotiations um, to make sure that these things finally got to their destinations in rural parts of of Russia, um, you know, of having yeah to to pay so much or to have to, you know, swap out something along the way with someone, you know, just so that that package that got further down on its destination. He got pretty skilled at it actually. Uh, retired a few years ago. But uh, I would sit with amazement and, and wide eyes as he would tell these stories, which seemed scary, but at the same time, he had done it so often, he felt in control of, I guess, as in control as you can be of, of the situation, and then also did have connections, of course, that he was working with in, in Russia to do this act of um, humanitarian aid, but did say yes. I mean, that, that this whole process was was done through all of these these covert exchanges of of either you know money or whatever else he was bringing from the state. I, I think one thing now I remember it was jeans. <laughs> it was jeans. It was like Levi's. Like Very those things were things. gold. Yeah. So yes, he would he would pack these and and somehow whatever and 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 trade and trade those out. So um, yeah, being culturally competent is an extremely huge, broad term. And I think the only way to really be competent is being in a location like that, but you have to do it in a way that's respectful and doesn't get you into trouble. And so talking to people who live there or locals or um, even talking to someone else who has visited that, they can really give you a lot of tips that you can't find in a textbook. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and bribes and those kinds of things are one of those cultural I know it sounds issues. it sounds weird that we're talking about that and and yet that is the that is the way that it goes. So how how does this happen though in in Haiti for example where well first of all there's again somebody's watching this saying I thought I was going to be in that documentary so they're going to have to break <laughs> the news to their family if no no I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. I was uh, I, I didn't make the final I didn't make the final That's cut. Okay. That's what the bloopers are for. So, yeah. Uh, so, so how does it happen though that that they don't go back and say, "I I got five dollars from that film crew over there," and then all of a sudden there's a line of people wanting their five dollars because light has shown or dust has kicked up in in their area. Um, 
How? how yeah, I wouldn't recommend doing that. that. I okay. wouldn't recommend just paying to get rid of people. Otherwise, you're encouraging more people to come. Right. So um, try not to do it. So basically, <laughs> when you were paying, it was because this this person was um, allegedly inconvenienced or, or as putting put at risk because of this light mystic light that shined upon right. them, which they thought came from your, your no, filming. No, this motorcycle man did not get paid. No. He, there was okay. an argument. We kind of turned the camera around and captured it. He was not happy with that. He didn't want to be a movie star, and so then he drove off. Okay. So the camera can either be a deterrent or can attract people, and in that case, it was a good enough deterrent. He was well on his way. And then a few hours later, as he was coming back up the mountain, we turned everything off, set it all down, and kind of scurried down the hill a little bit so that he wouldn't see us and we couldn't be accused of shining lights in his eyes. And then he didn't bother us, and he kept, I think he shook his fist at us. Oh, my goodness. Didn't, didn't do anything about it. So if you're traveling somewhere, how do you, um, in your valuables, um, how do you make sure that you preserve those? Because obviously once somebody starts to see a camera or, or things like that, so I'm assuming you want to have those things packed up, but maybe more in an inconspicuous bag, or right. how, does that, how does that work? I'm just thinking anything you might take. I mean, it even could be as simple as a cell phone right. or... Yeah, you definitely don't want to be flashy. Um, so hiding things or taking off your jewelry is always recommended, especially in Haiti. Okay. Um, and then I, if I'm bringing anything expensive with, I always keep it in my carry-on because I've had bags that have been lost and returned to me the day that I'm leaving. And so... Wow. Really, if you have essentials like medication or electronics or things that you cannot live without, um, keep them in your carry-on. Don't physically ever let go of them. Um, and then only bring it out when you know that it's safe because um, you don't know where you have permission, and it can upset a lot of people if you just stick a camera in their face yeah. and they're, they didn't say you could do that. I know I wouldn't be happy with that. So, so one of the things that I did today is um, I'm dressing in, in almost the same way that I dressed when we went to Disney after consulting with um, the, the travel uh, coordinator that set up our Disney trip. Now, granted, you know, Disney is, is, not, um, is not traveling to a foreign country, but one of the, the words of advice was um, probably avoid, like, logoed, clothing or something that identifies you specifically to one area, which I'm going back thinking of a trip I took to Boston and everything I wore was completely logoed and identified me to one specific city. Um, and, it, you know, I'm like, oh my goodness. But, um, but yeah, typically, so, you know, I'm just wearing a obviously black, um, you know, zip up, I don't, jacket. And then, uh, plain red shirt and and that was something actually I saw quite a bit at Disney. It really surprised me that I would say you know eighty percent of the the people um, were dressed in kind of a similar fashion where they they were not wearing logo clothing. So apparently they went either had the same consultant or the same website that that my consultant went to. Um, but is is that something too of are you when you when you assemble your wardrobe of either are you trying to blend in i mean cuz you you're not going to totally blend in but what do you what considerations do you give to to uh, i guess kind travelers, of yeah, yeah, yeah travelers yeah. um my goal is to always blend in i don't want to cause a scene and draw attention to myself because either i'm traveling because i want to learn about the culture so i don't want to change what's happening with me being there. Um, or or I'm going and I have expensive things and I'm trying to capture something and I don't, again, I don't want to change what's happening. And so I, I try never to wear even anything with English printed, um, even if it's not a brand, if it's some phrase or something. I, I just try to steer clear of that. And then to be aware of what's appropriate in different areas that you travel because even within the country there could be different um, cultural norms 
going to church, for example. If you go to church somewhere okay. else, you may need to dress a completely different way than a church in another part of the country or a church here. Um, so just asking before you pack and before you go to someone who has been there and in a similar situation is pretty key. So I think one of the redundant themes that you're sharing is talk to somebody who's been there before and, and just how invaluable that can be with the little pointers that are going to come out of saying, hey, this is something you want to consider. This is something when you are um, traveling in this part of the country that might be kind of just unique to this part of the country. So, um, Yeah, there's no global one-size-fits-all. I yeah. can't say you can wear a T-shirt and be appropriate no matter where you go. It's that, that globe doesn't work like that. So, Bree, this is the time when... Um, we want you to tell us a story that is is going to be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that actually happened to somebody and it happened to you. And what would that story be in traveling? And maybe from a start to finish of when it wrapped up, you know, regarding personal safety of then how you um, kind of got back on track or reflected upon that experience. Um, what What would one of those stories be? My embassy story wasn't good enough. All okay. Right. No, that, that's, I mean, for me, that is completely, uh, uh, yes. Let me think. I I once broke up a bar fight when I was in Chinacates, Mexico, and I don't speak a lick of Spanish. Okay. <laughs> and I, I was 18, and there was a, I think it was a quinceanera was going on, and I peeked my head in and didn't know anyone there, but was told that I could go in. So I went in and kind of checked the place out, came outside. There were two guys who were clearly angry with each other. I don't need to speak Spanish to know that they were clearly not having a good time. And then it turned into this physical thing, and I was the only other person out there besides these two guys. And so this is something I probably shouldn't have done. Okay. Um, but I just kind of walked up to them, and I started yelling in English. So I didn't know what else to do. And then they both stopped and looked at me, and I kind of got between them and went towards the friendlier looking of the two and shuffled him away. Um, and then a few other people came in during that time and were pulling them away, and they ended up bloody, and this guy's on the ground, and I'm wow. yelling to someone to go get help. I don't know what that means, what kind of help they're going to get. Right. Um, and it's in English, so I don't know if anyone understood anyways, but um, I was kind of holding this guy on the ground with his, um, he was had a big gash on his oh forehead. My. So I was holding some cloth against that until some other people came, and then I just backed away and didn't know if I dreamt it. But, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. You don't expect to happen. They're in-the-moment things. And so, yeah, I, I uh, probably shouldn't have interfered with that, but it worked out okay for me. So so was that something then, um, you know, you got back where you were staying, or was it like a couple weeks later after you returned back to the United States you, and you reflect upon it, it? It's just this aha moment of, I can't believe I did that. Like, oh my goodness, I, I put myself at, at risk and, and you know, then, I mean, it, it's yourself at risk, but then, of course, you know, it's, you have to think of everyone. If anything happened to me, then it impacts my family and, and impacts friends like that. Was was there ever that 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 kind of just waking up moment of of thinking, oh my goodness, I don't realize how close I really was to, to putting myself in harm's way? I think I realized that as I was on the ground and everyone was shouting in Spanish, and I'm holding this guy bloody wondering, I don't know what kind of condition he is. I'm in no medical field at all. Right. Um, I, it kind of dawned on me that I'm in a very unique situation, and this may not have been the best place for me to be, but I felt safe enough. And I don't think I would change it. I don't think I would have not done it now. But I think I'm way more cautious now into what situations I'm putting myself in, especially when you don't understand the scenario. You don't understand what's going on. Um, but I just, I didn't think about it. You just act when you're in those scenes. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Yes. Um, when I was in high school 
And it wasn't uh, too long ago that uh, students went to prom, I think a week ago, and a student asked me, when, was a, when did I go to prom? And, and I had to think, I'm like, 27 years ago. And I was like, that's a long time. And, uh, but uh, then I did play um, We're Not Gonna Take It Anymore by Twisted Sister. And even though that song came out in 84, it is still very popular with today's generation. So kind of bridge that gap and, and it didn't make me feel quite as ancient, but I'm thinking back, you know, when I was, when I was um, 18, 20 years old, it was very uncommon for schools, at least, you know, in, in my area to take trips where, um, you know, you might have a trip to France or trip to Mexico, wherever it might be. And even for um, church groups, I don't, I don't recall, um, you know, a, the, a trip to Haiti or, or somewhere else. So, but yet, I'm very aware that today it's, it's becoming um, much more common to do not only, you know, trips, especially um, trips to China. Um, I knew a, a very common uh, school principal who spent an entire year in China with his, with his family and a number of, of teachers, you know, that had spent, um, spent a year teaching in China and came back. And, and the number of, of um, youth who are, are participating um, in trips to, um, to Haiti, for example, that's all become much more common today than it was years ago. So, um, any, it, and, and we, we, we have this politically charged environment going on right now too. Uh, what would be, you know, you talked about some of the things to pack, some things like that, but if there was something, some more advice you wanted to give to, let's say a chaperone is going to meet with you and, and say, we're, we're going down with this group of juniors um, to Haiti for eight days. Um, so you had talked about, Bree, you talked about talking to someone who's been there and you've been there. So let's say that I'm taking this group down. Um, again, what are some things that, that you're going to tell me that maybe you haven't already mm -hmm. shared? And, and one of the things I want to bring up again too is I think there's, there, there needs to be an awareness of a political perception too of, of if you're an American traveling abroad, um, because that is, or, or anybody traveling in different countries, that's certainly much different today than, than it was, um, you know, 20, 25 years ago. So, all right, my, you're, you're giving me advice. Mm -hmm. Remember, I've been to five states in the last 50 days that I haven't mm -hmm. been to before. And, uh, I did drive in Orlando during rush hour. That's so. pretty bad. On the I-4, there should be a T-shirt that you can order <laughs> online from the Department of Transportation in Florida. I survived the I-4 during rush hour. Mm. That's an idea. So, so after you get that T-shirt, I would recommend you go to travelstate.gov. Okay, travelstate.gov. Um, yep. I can link that out. Yeah, put that down there. Um, and that will give you all the information about um, visa requirements for the length of your trip. Um local laws, the customs, your medical care, and then it will give you what's really important um, is the warning and alert system that you can have updated to your phone that will talk about any political uprising or rebels or terrorist attacks or whatever the current okay. political climate is for that country and that region. It will give you, um, it'll lay it all out for you and then it'll advise if you're um, a family, then you should be cautious about maybe these areas, and if you are an individual, maybe you would be okay, but stick to uncrowded regions. But it gives you a very clear, um, lots of information about um, what to look out for and cautions for where to travel and where you should not travel. And I listen closely to that. Okay. That's that's not a joke. Is, mm -hmm. there, um, is there something also with, like, any vaccinations you have to get before you go to certain places or check with your doctor and say, hey, I'm traveling here. They're like, okay, you definitely need this set of 
Yeah, so there's the STEP, which is the Smart Travel Enrollment Program, and you type in all of that itinerary that I mentioned before, if you can just link them to that, um, and then they, you kind of type your region and what time of year you plan on going, and they'll give you all of the information about recommended vaccines, things you should definitely get, and then depending on what kind of traveler you are, if you're short-term or long-term or you have an immune disease deficiency, um, so it's the it's STEP, the STEP program. Okay, mm-hmm. so the STEP program, and how do you access that, like, if I just type it in a, online Google, or Google? Yeah, Smart Travel Enrollment Program. Okay. Yeah, and that will also let the embassy know that you're there, so if anything does happen, they're aware of your, of your whereabouts, and then I would recommend you keeping track of where the embassy is so you can okay. get to it if you need to. And how about um, uh, personal identification? Like, what should you keep on you, um, you know, does it make sense to do, like, a ID bracelet, you know, versus, you know, some other form of ID, or I guess how does, uh, what, what do you recommend for that? Um, I typically wear one of those hidden fanny packs that clip under your shirt, and nobody okay. knows that it's there, and I keep a, um, most of my cash money in there. I keep my ID, my passport, a copy of my ID and passport, just in case something happens to it. Um, and then any kind of confirmation numbers, flight numbers, currency exchange forms so that you can okay. just have a clue what you're getting into. Right. Um, and if it's here on your core, you should be able to find it even if you're passed out and someone needs to know who you are. Okay. But that way it's not open information for anyone that walks past to, right. to receive. I remember... Um, when we were at Disney, we had, um, I guess, RFID wristbands, and, and we got off of a ride, and our names came up. Thank you, David, for riding this ride. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I think that's weird. So a weird? Yeah, so you obviously, you know, know, and it, it, it's it's kind of a new thing. It's like you get into your, your room that way, and they can track you, and, and of course, um, you know, like if any of, if either of my daughters would have gotten lost, it would have been instant they would have scanned and, and they would have identified who they were but then they, they could have also i believe i located us within the within the park so does that um, make you feel safer uh i didn't think about it too mm-hmm. much um i i was more concerned about you know as we walked anywhere near water every 20 feet the sign that was staked in the ground saying watch out for alligators and snakes uh, <laughs> don't go close to the water um i did take a photo of like one of them but yeah the, the fact that you know the the mass redundancy of the signs was was kind of making me uncomfortable because i've i've uh never really encountered yeah you know like uh, first uh, an alligator and uh, or a snake so would have been poorly equipped other than just turning and, and running. What if I made him fun? Like, every time he passed, <laughs> the sign would be like, be snake awake. Snake. You know, different fun s- things instead yes. of the redundancy. S- snake awake, yes. But it could be a fun part of the trip. I read uh, <laughs> I read where somebody tried to take on um, one of the poisonous indigenous snakes down in the Orlando area that had gotten into the park, and then... Um, tried to throw a towel over it, um, and anyway, had, had been bitten and was, was suing the park. But it was a really bizarre story because this person could have just not approached the snake at all. It wasn't like the snake was over there, and they decided this was, this was their plan, and now they were trying to get some compensation out of this, and it was a very odd story. Mm. But, yeah, no, they're, they're yeah, they're, they're pretty, um, they were pretty stern signs, but we were on uh, the second floor, I was like, I, I wasn't sure. I didn't think a s- snake. I'm not sure how well alligators navigate steps. They were pretty wide. Um, or, you know, if it would just be easier for the alligators to hang out for the people who are more first floor dwellers, not bother with the second floor people. But, yeah, um, very interesting. But n- didn't see an alligator, didn't see a snake. Did see fish um, at Epcot uh, in the waters around there, which I thought was a very good sign. Because um, without the uh, the fish, you know, then possibly, 
you know, alligator or Loch Ness monster could have existed. But again, uh, yeah. So, um, and a lot of the things you, you've described as far as like, you know, the belt uh, with identification, um, those things are on Amazon. Um, you know, I've seen some of those types of things. So pretty easy, easy to get a hold of. Um, so I, this has been really, really enlightening, really helpful. Um, and I guess before we wrap up, what do you have, what do you have planned? You've done so much. Uh, I, I've seen some of the photos and, and they'll be incorporated into the video segment of this, of this, uh, show. Um, you know, you've, you've been uh, by glaciers and, and, you know, it's, it's, I remember my eighth grade trip. I think we went to the County jail and, uh, it was new. Also and uh, <laughs> we ate at a Chinese restaurant in the neighboring larger community, uh, which was our ethnic outing. And one of my friends um, spent like $20 on fortune cookies. Um, that was like a big thing and took them you know, back. So um, that is completely a true story. So um, what, what do you have for, for upcoming Travels. What's on the horizon for you? Um, I don't know if you know about this one, actually. So I was planning a three-week road trip that incorporated to national parks with my son, but that's all out now. Okay. Just, like, Whoa. ditched that one. So that itinerary is set to the side okay. to pick up at a later date. <laughs> um, but I have a new trip planned in booked in August to go um, through the Mediterranean in Greece and... Um, it's wow. going to end up in Spain, and I'm bringing my son along for that, too. Wow. So, actually, that trip had a little alteration because we're no longer traveling to Turkey because of that political uprising and that being so safe. So we cut that out of the trip. Okay. But, um, yeah, it should be great. So... Did you book this like through a travel agent or because you've, you've done this so much, you do this on your own now, or how does um, that work? This this was my mom's doing. This was her idea for a trip, so it's okay. through a cruise, and the, I think the cruise line um, wow. will decide based on political things where you can and cannot okay. travel. They usually err on the safety side. So before you take the cruise, make sure you watch pirates of the caribbean just so you're fully informed of what Good. can all happen out right. on the open seas because yeah um wow that is that's amazing so yeah, yeah brie had a road trip planned for this the summer across the united uh states uh, with her son and i've actually been um listening to uh an audio book from um a man in, in Minnesota who's about my age who just got done road tripping the, the country and, and wrote this book. And he talks about the kind of the places to go which are off the beaten path in different states. Now, he also talks about things like how to sleep in your car and stuff like that. I'm like, ooh, I don't know about that for me. But, <laughs> um, but, it, but he talks about some really interesting places to go and also like places not to go. Like don't go here in the middle of summer or like – you can't go on these roads in in winter um, and and things like that. So I, I'm I'm kind of listening to that because um, I I want to plan a trip out, out west and then also I've never been to Gettysburg and want to to go out um, to go out to Gettysburg, which um, yeah has always I've always had an interest in that. So you've you've idled those plans. You've you've done the the cruise plans uh, coming up. So. So anything that you've had to do specifically before we wrap up to start to prepare for that trip? Anything brand, anything brand new there that's going um, to be like? Anything brand new. And then same goes for if I'm leaving for any extended period of time and my son is staying with my parents, then I write a release form saying you have all the right to make any major medical decisions in my behalf if you can't contact me because oftentimes it can't be contacted. Okay. So that's another little one. When you say write a release, do you have it notarized or anything like that or is it or nothing that um, formal? I've had one notarized and now I just 
staple them together. Okay, <laughs> the old uh, staple, yeah, yeah. notary. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, Bree, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. This has been amazing, and I'm going back to the story when you're you're 17 and you're in in Haiti and and being you know put in the room and not knowing exactly what's going on and what there's a there's a guard with a machine gun and 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 but just yeah having having that awareness of how that situation is is developing and then also as it as it kind of lost steam and and you were able to exit that situation and, and then continue to go on um traveling abroad I, i'm assuming is wonderful and exciting from looking at some of the photos that you shared I mean, it's amazing. You've been at glaciers and just, I mean, it's picturesque and cultural. Uh, so it's something that's wonderful, but it's something also you need to have very much of awareness and, and vigilance in, in going because, um, as you shared, in many aspects, much, much different, even like in the way you might dress in one particular region of a country to another region and so forth so um anything you want to share any pointers well i don't want to discourage anyone from going i think that traveling um ultimately helps you learn about yourself and um helps you expand what you thought was normal and i think that's really important and i don't i think even with all of the crazy stories and maybe the scary situations is still totally worth it, and that should just show even more what a valuable experience traveling can be. And um, yeah, I encourage if you have any interest to just do your research first, be prepared, and then go for it. And that's something with the internet today. I mean, the amount of research that can be that can be done is is it's just it's at everybody's fingertips. Um, and I'm going to echo onto that in a much lower level capacity, but um, when we made the decision to go to Florida, which was the first time um, to to go to Florida, and we could have flown, but I wanted to drive because I wanted to go, I had never been through Kentucky and Tennessee, and I wanted to go through some of these areas and to just see what it was like. Now, um, I know that wasn't much for reconnaissance, but I, I wanted to, to do that. I'm very glad that I did um, because I, I got to to see some really cool things. Um, I actually in Dothan, Alabama, I got to see the largest, I believe, fiberglass peanut in the United States was uh, wow. of America. Um, so it, absolutely incredible. And you'll never forget that peanut. I will not. Yeah. And and it is the the peanut capital of the world. So if you have peanut allergies and you are looking at a place to live, Dothan, D-O-T-H-A-N, Alabama, off your list right now. Don't even go there because every other place is like boiled peanuts, peanut soup, peanut burger, whatever it is. Um, but just even there was a sense of after driving through the Memphis rush hour and driving on the I-4 of kind of an accomplishment and then driving through Omaha, even though my Garmin um, kind of decided to, to go rogue when I was in Omaha and take me behind off at Air Force Base uh, to a part that was marked with barricades. Do not pass these barricades, which I did pass because I thought maybe the wedding reception was back there. Um, and it wasn't, and I had to turn the, the, the car around and then also tell my Garmin never again. But, uh, but then, it, yes, it did finally get me to where I needed to go. But actually, I feel like a more confident traveler now, and I'm not anywhere at the level that you're at, but I'm steps closer to doing that. And after we've had this conversation today, um, and for people listening, um, I feel I would, I would be confident in taking a trip um, out of the country, you know, I'd, I'd be, and, and the value, what I what would gain from that. So I'm excited. I'm really excited that you shared your stories, and um, I think your your advice is spot on and invaluable, and appreciate your time today, Bree. Thank you. Hi, everybody. That was an amazing interview with Bree Hansen. Uh, just incredible stories and very valuable tips to be a safe traveler 
no matter where you go in the world. I didn't have an opportunity to share my story of spring breaking in Little Rock, Arkansas, back when I was in college. Nothing quite like it, folks, and something I definitely would recommend to nobody. I want to give a thank you out to John Grant and the 405 Media for hosting the Safety Doc podcast. Uh, as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, I am sporting the um, grout fit today, which is the gray outfit or the sweatsito, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is kind of the late night addendum to the editing of the Brie interview. Um, so, yes, and, uh, and it looks like I do need a shave here. Um, kind of getting a little scraggly, but, um, again, a wonderful, wonderful podcast, an area we hadn't talked about on the, on the safety doc before. So glad that Bree was able to spend that time with us and look forward to producing this and getting it out and sharing it, especially right now with such tensions and apprehensions about international travel and the websites, the resources that Bree shared where you can get information and advice, such as contacting someone at a university um, in, in a location you're traveling to, uh, knowing where the embassy is, redundant copies of maps and so forth, just, just very valuable information. Um, I know things that I will take under consideration during my next trip, whether that be domestic or that be out of the country. Not sure it's going to be out of the country, but probably more, um, more domestic here for the safety doc. Um, you can subscribe to this show so you can go, go into, uh, YouTube right here, subscribe. And every week I drop a new show. You can go into iTunes, subscribe, free, no charge, SoundCloud gets you a little easier access to the MP3. I'm also on the Podmosphere. And I do produce a blog post every week, too. The show is broadcast on the405media.com out of Los Angeles, California, part of their regular programming, 1 o'clock Monday through Saturday each week. So that is the League of Extraordinary Podcasters. A huge thank you to the Typical Daddy Podcast, especially Hector for spending hours with me on enhancing the audio quality of my program and then also helping me to install a program which is going to enable much smoother Skype interviews. And um, that is actually our guest for next week is going to be Hector from Typical Daddy Podcast, a podcast of a, a group of dads, um, getting together to talk about issues affecting dads and, and what it's like to be a dad, all the way from uh, potty training your kids to uh, concerns about bullying, uh, uh, you know, of of your children. And uh, Hector uh, is an in, uh, incredible, uh, giving, uh, just a, a wonderful podcaster, which is kind of native to the podcasting community. And I'm glad to have him on the show next week. So again, uh, uh, another wonderful um, person to bring onto the show to then share out to you. You're not the typical listener. Again, if you're following the safety doc, hats off to you. You want to be um, provided with intelligent content, free of the rhetoric. And I appreciate that. I appreciate your loyalty. We are growing with Twitter followers at Safety PhD, you can follow me on Twitter. Thank you very much and stay safe.